Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's been too long since I've gotten to record. This episode definitely took me a minute or two to warm up because I hadn't podcasted in, damn, probably like six weeks since we moved at the end of May. So uh, it's great to be back with you. I love doing this. Um, I mentioned this at the end of the podcast. We just hit 25,000 plays on the podcast. So thank you to everybody who shared, liked, subscribed. All of that stuff means a lot to us as a team. And we're going to continue to try to fight hard and uh, just do what God's calling us to do here with this ministry. And in uh, just about six weeks, we have our one-year anniversary coming up on August 22nd. And so we're really excited. A lot of fun things to share with you on that. So if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to go to our website, thosewhoseek.org. Check it out. We're going to be revamping that pretty soon. Um, but sign up for our newsletter there. We got some exciting stuff, some exclusive content in the newsletter each week. And we got some exciting announcements that we'll be making uh, only through the newsletter. Um, so we really want you to encourage you to check that out. And then, yeah, uh, just if you would, if you haven't yet, leave us a review here on the podcast if you're a uh, um, consistent listener, because it really takes us a long way uh, and helps with promotion and all of that stuff. Share it with anybody if you feel like this episode's valuable and hit me up on, on Instagram and uh, give me some feedback. You know, shoot me an email if you uh, have any thoughts about this or questions or other things that are arise because that really helps me to continue to create content that really helps the listeners. And I want to be speaking to the needs of, of you all and, and finding people I can interview for the areas that I'm uh, not as well formed in. So continue to give that feedback it means a lot to us. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this, and you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on? My people, it has been so long since I recorded a podcast. Luckily, we were able to still be putting out two podcasts a week there for a bit uh, throughout my travel. So I was on a 26-day road trip through I think 12 different states. I had seven straight weekends of going to mass in a different state, which I 14 out of 10 do not recommend. <laughs> I am so glad to be in Denver now for the next, hopefully two months. I might get like 65 consecutive days in the same city, which uh, is a blessing and a half. So I'm very excited to be here. If uh, you follow me on social media, you know that this was my first week of my new job working for Drumroll, please. 
the Hallow app. So I'm doing sales for Hallow. So if you know anyone working in a Catholic school or in a Catholic parish who's interested in bringing Hallow to their community, hit your boy up because that's what I do now. I help help hook that up. We're trying to get these students, faculty, staff, parishioners, parish staffs praying. At least praying more, but for many, just to start praying. So that's one of the big goals. So I'm really excited for that. Very excited to start the new job. It's been great so far. Such a gift to be there. If you know me well, you know that uh, my one of my best friends, my best friend from high school, uh, Alessandro DeSanto, is one of the co-founders of Halo. And so I get to work directly with him, which is just an absolute blast. And so uh, we're really excited to start working together. And I got to spend some time in Chicago with them over the last couple of weeks, him and his lovely wife, uh, Sam. And uh, we just had a blast. So I'm really excited to get started there. But uh, it's kind of good timing for me to talk about this topic. I've been thinking about it a lot. You know, Emily and I did the book of the month for May was Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. A lot of that stuff that I was very familiar with already. But throughout that month, I mean, I just dove into it, pretty much got obsessed with Dave Ramsey throughout that month and uh, just watched a ton of Dave Ramsey videos on YouTube. So I was crushing Dave Ramsey videos, listened to his podcast. And that was where I really learned a lot more than I learned in the book. The book has a lot of basic things. And I still very, very strongly recommend the book, especially for people who are like, I have no idea where to start which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. Today's going to be some more simple things, but I'm actually going to start off with something that he doesn't mention in the book. So first thing we're talking about today is five, or the things we're talking about today is five things you should do with your money that you need to do with your money. And so throughout this, I also want to talk about some like money mindset. And I think I'm going to begin with this. I had some questions, some feedback from the podcast that I did with Kevin McGowan on uh, finances and uh, his his uh, platform on Instagram and he's doing financial coaching and stuff like that now at the financial arena. Check him out on Instagram. He's doing some awesome stuff, helping people to take their finances to the next level, going from a very basic, basic level to the higher levels that we need to, you know, in order to pursue excellence in this area. But uh, just getting the feedback from that, I think one of the main challenges that we face, right, as a church, people of faith or just people of goodwill, is you've heard this quote many times before, I'm sure, that money is the root of all evil, right? And so it's very easy for us to fall into this trap of thinking, well, that means that I just have to not care about money at all. And it's like, well, maybe that's not the answer, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, like, why I don't understand why so many of us kind of take this, I, I call it like a false St. Francis of Assisi approach. Because we're not actually trying to live like straight missionary life, like life of poverty, right? But at the same time, we kind of use it as an excuse enough to not have to uh, uh, like address the fact that we're ignorant about finances, about budgeting, about investing, about saving. We don't have the discipline to save, right? So we just try to say, well, money's not that important to me. I don't really care about it. And I'm always intrigued by how many people who say that come from very well off or at least like comfortable financial situations in their childhood, right? Those of us, I, I fall into this camp. I wasn't poor growing up, but it was the one of the most commonly uh, common arguments in my household between my parents was about money and finances. And so I had a lot of passion about that growing up. I have a lot of passion about it now to say, I don't want that with my wife. I don't want to be fighting about money, but I also 
don't want other people to fight about that, but I, I also want to be able to be a blessing to other people. And a lot of that comes from my experiences abroad, both with mission trips and then with my deployment that I went on in 2017. So when you go to a third world country, such as the Dominican Republic, I also got to go on a mission trip to Nicaragua, and then I deployed to Afghanistan. You see what I call like real abject poverty, right? Like not, a lot of times we think of, you know, poor people, poor people in the United States. And if you ever do any like world studying on that, or, or hear some of the stats of where the poor in the United States typically fall on the worldwide, the global scale, usually, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like, if you're poor in the United States, like below the poverty line, but making $20,000 a year, like you're still in the top 10% of the world or something crazy, right? And so our poverty really doesn't compare to what other countries go through where you have these crazy stories of people like LeBron James, or um, there's politicians, there's celebrities, right? There's business people who come from like really, really difficult backgrounds, right? But in the Western world, you can kind of make it and a lot of those third world countries, you're just kind of out of luck. You're not talking about one in a thousand or even one in a million. Like you're talking one in a trillion shot to get out of there, right? Like you see these kids farming, looking very, very thin, right? And just kind of depleted in Afghanistan. It's And they don't go to school at 10 years old. You're like, for that kid to become a doctor, like a mir- like literal miracles, not just one, multiple miracles have to happen. And so when I started to realize that when I was in the DR, I just got kind of passionate about like, I'm an American and these people are Catholic as well. Um, and they're human beings, right? We want to take care of human beings for sure. But like, I definitely want to take care of the people that go to my church. I want to take care of my family, right? The body of Christ. And it's like, these kids here don't have the same opportunities that I have. And so it's like, I don't have to be, you know, go straight Indian dad on it and, and be like, you have to become a doctor or engineer or whatever. But at the same time, with the money that I make, how can I be intentional with that and be a good steward of what God's given me, of the blessings that I've gotten? Because I want to be able to pay it forward, right? I want to be able to give. I want to be able to be generous. And so I think that the, the, the main thing we have to realize as a church is that money funds everything the church does. From the lights being on and mass on Sunday to the AC in your church, to the mission trips we get to go on, to Catholic charities, to fighting abortion to everything we do, right? Even, you know, advertising for Catholic organizations, right? Like all these different things. It costs money, conferences, retreats, right? Like the food to pay, you know, to feed the youth group on Sunday nights, like all of that costs money. And so we have to stop acting like money is this horrific thing that we have to stay away from and actually start to be good stewards of it. You know, Jesus talks about it a lot in the gospels and he definitely warns against the uh, love of money and the obsession over money, but he also gives that uh, us, you know, parables that talk about people uh, squandering what they've been given, right? The parable of the talents is a perfect example of that. And so it's like, what are you doing with your treasure, right? We often hear about that in, in church, time, talent, and treasure. Now, I honestly don't think we talk about this enough, but the first thing that you need to do with your money, the first thing I would say is the most important thing for you to do with your money is you need to be tithing. This is one that a lot of young people especially like to avoid. And I'm like forever intrigued by how much people like to avoid this. Mainly because a few years ago, I had this hypothesis, somewhat of a hot take, that the people who are most afraid of of building wealth or having a lot of money to manage or having nice things to manage uh, were 
did uh, like typically in my life that I've ex- encountered did not tithe. And so I think there's a direct correlation between like someone's willingness to accumulate more money and the way that they currently handle their money, which would make a lot of sense, right? Spiritually, because we also believe that in order for God to want to bless us with more, to entrust us with more, and that could be more of a lot of things, right? Relationships, uh, free time, uh, gifts, talents, people to lead, like money. In order for God to entrust us with more, we have to be good stewards of what we already have. So it makes sense that like written in our hearts is that if I'm being a poor manager of what I already have, then I don't want to have any more. So I ask people all the time, it's like, dude, are you tithing? Because you need to be tithing 10%. There's a lot of Old Testament stuff, um, you know, that, that gets a lot of gets a lot of love on this when it comes to tithing, where people point to the points in the Bible, like scripture, where God says, you know, I want your first fruits, which most of us view as 10%. You know, most Christian denominations say you should be tithing 10%. And God challenges us through the Old Testament to say that if if you are willing to make that sacrifice for me. He's like, watch how the, the gates of heaven flood you with blessings, right? But, but many believe in, in, you know, the church teaches us that we need to be tithing. And most of us believe that you can really, really block a lot of blessings in your life if you're being stingy and greedy with your money. And tithing is such a good thing. You know, I remember Matthew Kelly taught me this in the four signs of a dynamic Catholic. The third sign is generosity is you don't have to start tithing 10% at once, right? So if you're not tithing at all and you're kind of on a tight budget, let's say you're just getting out of college or you're in college or whatever, like start with 5%, start with 3%, but have the goal of getting to 10%. And then once you're making a ton of money, there's, there's also that side, right? So as we make more and more money, maybe we should try to do 11% or 12%. Like you don't have to be uh, very legalistic with the way that you cap it at 10%, but that should be the goal for all of us, right? And so I think that's really important. And, you know, there's so many people, uh, Dave Ramsey talks about this, Tony Robbins talks about this, uh, so Christian, secular people, whatever, that say that it's not richness that changes you. Money doesn't change you. Money just makes you more of whatever you already are. So if you're wasteful, money makes you more, more money make you more wasteful. If you're greedy, more money will make you more greedy. If you're generous, more money will make you more generous. So when it comes to tithing, one of my favorite quotes is actually from Tony Robbins. And he says that, and this is probably not from him originally, but he says that if you can't give a dime out of a dollar, you won't give a million out of 10 million. And he's someone who's seen a lot of millions in his life. And, and he's seen a lot of greedy, wealthy people, right? And so I think that's really interesting because that comes back to you know another um, great parable from our Lord with the widow with the two cents. Right. Like she was willing to give all that she had. And then he tells, uh, you know, you see other stories in, in the Gospels of the rich man walking away sad because he's not willing to part with his riches. And so we have to understand that this generosity, you know, I, I believe that uh, generosity comes from contentment. Contentment leads to gratitude. Gratitude leads to generosity. And so when we can be thankful for what we have. We express our gratitude with what we have by taking care of it. Right. If somebody gives you a gift, if somebody gifted you a car. And a week later, they come back and you've got it filled with trash and it's all dirty on the outside and the inside and it's dented like that you would one would assume rightfully so that you're not very grateful for the gift. Right. If somebody gives you a gift and you just smash it right away, like it would be like you can't turn around and say thank you. right? Like you, you have to be you show your gratitude by what we do with it. Right. Like gratitude springs us towards action and that action when it comes to finances. Is generosity.
also with time, right? There's a lot of things that you can be generous with, but you can be generous with your virtue, right? You can be generous with your patience, but we have to be generous with our money. And if you're not tithing, you have to. And I know young adults are terrible at this. And it's so it's one of the things, like all things with our money, where we're so passive with it, it doesn't naturally happen. So you have to be intentional with like, how are you tithing? So my, my quick little tip within a tip is I like to keep, I, for since I was in college, I've kept a note on my phone and it's just titled tithe breakdown. So I put in, you know, whatever I'm giving to, right? I give, let's say $10 a month to Dynamic Catholic, $10 a month to the Augustans to $10 to um, whatever, uh, live action, I think I do. And then I have, um, you know, $100, $200 goes to focus. Um, and then I have whatever's remaining, you know, going to my parish that I belong to. And so keeping that breakdown allows me to see and evaluate and be like, okay, this is what I'm giving to. I calculate my monthly income before taxes, divide that by, or times that by, you know, 0.1, get to 10% on that and say, this is the number that I need to add up to and need to reach. And there's been times I've been below it and times where I've been above it. And then you also have to be intentional of like, okay, I made, you know, $500 from speaking at this conference and now I got to give $50 away, right? And you can make that up with mass on Sundays or giving a one-time gift to somebody or whatever it is, but you have to start tithing. It's a huge, huge part of our faith. It's literally uh, in, in, in the precepts of the church, like top six things that we have to do, like go to mass on Sunday, support the parish operations, support the priests which is our tithing, right? It's giving to the poor. Like when you give to the church, like you can ask your parish about where the money goes, but it goes to all of those things, right? Building maintenance, supporting the priests, supporting the diocese, supporting the youth group and uh, the poor and the outreach and things like that that your parish is doing. You have to support that. And the way that I like to do it is you can split it up, as you heard, uh, between your parish and Catholic organizations but you can't give to PETA and think that it's tithing. It's different. So you got to give 10% to the church. You can give more than that to other organizations. But you got to give 10 to the church. Number two, this is kind of like a great segue into number two. You have to make a plan. So you have to be very intentional with what you're going to do with your money. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that we often make is just kind of like general passivity. And I do think that it was passed down because our parents' generation kind of had it. The generation before them, it was very common to have uh, pension plans, right? So when you have pension plans, your retirement was kind of taken care of so long as you stayed in the same job for a certain period of time or you hit a certain age, like your pension was kind of provided for you. So your retirement was there. Social security was there. You didn't really have to be super, super intentional about what we had. We also didn't have um, as many... They had different things. Obviously, there's been sharks and, and you know, wolves out there and, and people trying to dupe you and trick you and take your money in different ways throughout all of human history. But debt wasn't as commonplace 100 years ago as it is today. So you have to make a plan and be intentional about what you're going to do with your money. Being intentional is a huge, it's one of the, the key areas or key uh, factors of, of living a life of seeking excellence is you have to be intentional. You have to be focused on what are you going to do? All right, create a plan, stick to the plan, right? Have the discipline to stick to it. But if you're not intentional, 
if you can sit down and like, if I asked you right now, when was the last time you looked at your finances, you know, created a budget and evaluated whether or not you're sticking to that budget and evaluated your debt, evaluated your investments, evaluated all these things, evaluated your tithing. If your answer is never, you ought to be ashamed of yourself and you need to change that tonight. If your answer is six months ago, that's still too long. Ideally, you should be doing this once a month, sitting down, revising your budget, checking things out and seeing how you're doing. It only takes, you know, Tony Robbins talks about this a lot too in in his book, uh, Money Master the Game and then Unshakable, which is the shorter version of that book. He says that if you are willing to spend, you know, two to three hours a year, then you can really go like 10 to 30 minutes a month after that two to three hour session where you set everything up. And then you go like 10 to 30 minutes a month, just checking on things, making sure things are right. And you'll be fine. You can have financial peace and security, but so many people are not even willing to do that. And it's crazy how we're not willing to do 10 to 30 minutes a month, two to three hours a year. And then people are going to end up working 10 more years than they need to because they didn't want to take three hours a year. It's unbelievable. The math on that just doesn't add up. So when making a plan that leads us to number three, invest 15% of your income. So this is a big, that's a big Dave Ramsey number. And I love working off percentages. I think it's very, very convenient because it just gives you this outline that you can go off of, this template that you can use. And then you can see what you have to budget with. So you you tithe 10% pre-tax. You want to invest 15% of your money pre-tax. And then uh, you can, you know, operate on whatever you have left, right? So Another good rule that I've learned from Dave Ramsey, um, certain places debate this, right? Some places will say 30%, some places say 25% for your housing, right? Like how much should you spend on housing? It's great to look these things up, right? Like some of these bigger expenses. So when you're looking for how much rent can I afford, how much mortgage can I afford, whatever it is, like when you come to all of your housing, right? So utilities and rent, whatever you're paying each month or your mortgage, whatever, you should pay, uh, Dave Ramsey says, 25%. So think about how quickly your money goes out the door, right? So if you're trying to be intentional with your money, <laughs> this is like taxes aside, 25% on housing, 15% on investing, that takes us to 40, another 10% for tithing, that's half your money. Then you get taxed on top of that, right? 10, 15, 20%, whatever. So that's the money that you have left after that that you can kind of play around with. Play around with also means you have expenses, right? You probably have a car loan, car insurance, um, you know, Wi-Fi, all these other things, right? That we have expenses. And you want to evaluate what all of those things are, where you can cut back and how you can start to live below your means. But investing 15% of your income is a huge deal. And it takes time to figure it out. I just started. So I said, I started my new job. I was figuring out my 401k contributions today. And starting to look, you know, between my Roth 401k, my Roth IRA that I have with Vanguard, like what, how, how can I make the money work and, and get to my 15%, right? And it's hard to do that, right? Like you have to start, um, you know, and, you, and it's another thing that you can kind of do the same with tithing is do what you can first, but have the goal of getting to 15%. And if you can do more than that, do more than that. But you have to start, you know, getting kind of excited about it and starting to kind of play that game of, of looking forward to what you can have in the future. One thing that I love is the, the compound interest calculator. So if you've never been to this, I highly, highly encourage you to check it out. I will link it in the show notes. But if you go to compound interest calculator on Google, 
the first one that comes up is investor.gov. And that thing is so, so cool. So I love, I was looking at it earlier today and just kind of like playing around with what I can do monthly contribution. You can uh, put in your initial investment, your length of time in years, estimated interest rate, and it just compounds it for you. So you can see different, you know, what you could have 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now at whatever interest rate you put, you can, you know, expect anywhere from like seven to 12% of a return if you're investing wisely, you know, and it's amazing when you see millions of dollars come up from being able to save a thousand dollars a month or $500 a month, like it's mind blowing what compound interest can do over time. And we just so greatly underestimate that and don't value that enough. You don't get excited about having the millions because you're so worried about having 300 right now. It's so, so dumb, guys. It's the same thing as I said earlier about we trade five hours a year for 10 more years of working just because we don't want to sit down and actually look at things. And I know people in their 50s and 60s that do this. And it's not worth it. It's not that hard. I know that one of the big things that keeps people from looking into their finances and budgeting and doing all this stuff is ignorance. Because we're not taught this stuff. And I know, I know what you hear all the time, right? Everybody says this. This is the stuff that we should be taught in high school. And why wasn't I taught how to, uh, you know, balance a checkbook and, um, find, uh, and invest and budget and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that would be cool to learn in high school. But I don't remember shit that I learned in high school. Literally almost nothing, right? So like, I don't remember almost anything I learned in high school. I don't remember a lot of what I learned from college. I do remember the stuff that I learned in the last three years, though, that I taught myself, you know, or that I learned through books or that I asked questions about the people who are successful in those areas or that I watched YouTube videos on. So don't make you for nothing in your life. This is a greater life lesson. You can't blame other people for your own ignorance when you're an adult. When you're eight, 10, whatever, like look back and have compassion on yourself. Sure. You're a grown ass man or a grown ass woman. Like, stop making excuses. Who cares? They didn't teach you that in high school. You wouldn't have paid attention anyways. These kids who are sleeping in the back of class always talking about, I just learned this in high school. It's like, bro, learn it now. Stop complaining. So get it together. You have to learn about this stuff. It's very easy. You can go to investopedia.com. There's buffettbooks.com. There's all these different books. Dave Ramsey's YouTube channel or his podcast or his book. Total Money Makeover and all the books that are on Dave uh, Ramsey Solutions and, and the stuff that they sell. It's so, so good. It's so helpful. It's not hard, guys. It's not hard. Unshakable by Ron Tony Robbins. The books are great. They're exciting to read. They're fun. They break it down. They make it simple to understand because they want to see people succeed. So stop making excuses and act like you don't know what you're doing. I know that we could do a whole podcast on investing and like ways to set that up. And if, if you guys reach out and say that that's something that's needed, um, we'll do that sooner than later. Cause it's definitely on my to-do list, but it's not going to be urgent. Um, but investing and starting to do that is massively important. Quick things that I'll say about that is if your company matches your 401k, you should be contributing to that. You should always want to contribute to that if they match outside of that, we can look into it, but I encourage you to check out the uh, Roth 401k or the Roth IRA. Um, and there's many different places from Fidelity to Vanguard, whatever. I love Vanguard that you can set those up and you can start your own account and you can start investing. Do it because like I mentioned earlier, the pension that our parents had and our grandparents have doesn't exist for us anymore. Your company matching and contributing to your 401k is your version of the pension. So unless you're working for the United States government or you're a teacher or some of these other things, you're not going to have a pension. 
So you have to be, you have, we have to take responsibility for this. And there's not enough people who are doing that. And we're going to see a serious crisis of this later on in life because people just aren't, aren't being intentional and aren't actually making moves to try to set themselves up for, you know, success in the future so that you can retire so that you can pay for your kids to go to college if you want so that you can have money and not have to be stressed so you can pay for your medical bills so that you can be generous with your money and write checks to the church and to the organizations you're passionate about all of those things you want to be able to do that and when you read these books tony robbins has great stories about this dave ramsey has great stories about this you learn about all these people chris hogan has stories about this you read about all these people who are, you know, were janitors or school teachers or whatever, who are millionaires because they did these basic principles. They tied, they invested 15% and they did this next step, which is big, ladies and gentlemen, this one is big. Avoid freaking debt, bro. Stay out of debt. People in debt. I don't understand it. Being in debt is like my least favorite experience in my life. The worst financial decision I think I've ever made which really wasn't a terrible one, but just was, I think, I think objectively my worst uh, was I bought a brand new car last year, bought a brand new car in July, end of July. I paid it off in less than a year, a Toyota Camry, 2020 Camry. I love it too. And when I get in, it doesn't feel like the worst decision I ever made, but I still think I could, I should have bought a used one. I would have gone, if I was in the, if, if I was digging my Dave Ramsey back then, like I am now, I would have bought a couple year old uh, car, but man, do I love my Camry. Anyways, I bought it. And like, even, even having the money, right. I had it paid off within three months. I had it where I didn't have to make a car payment for 18 months. And I'm just like, yo, I hate having debt. <laughs> I hate that I owe $8,000 on this car or whatever it was at the time. You know, I was like, I just got to pay it off. And so I made my plan. I gave myself a year and I just paid it off. I get the title in the mail soon and it's mine. And you know, the other thing that's beautiful about that, and this is why I didn't post about it before I paid it off, is you don't own something until you own it outright, right? So like they get you so many things in this world, whether it's credit cards, home ownership sometimes, or cars, all these other things where it's like, you're not really an owner until nobody can take it from you. Because this is America, right? Not the Soviet Union or China. So nobody can, if somebody can take my car from me, I'm not, I don't own the cars. People be like, I bought a new car. I own this car. I own a Mercedes. It's like, no, you don't, bro. The bank owns it. They just let you borrow it. So long as you behave and do what you're supposed to do every month and pay them what the, what the contract says you have to pay them. So keep that in mind. Don't, so we got to stop celebrating stuff until we actually own it. Now, like Dave Ramsey says, and I agree with, you want to be out of debt, except for your home. If you've bought a home. Now, Dave Ramsey also has some great pointers to put out on homeownership where he says, put 20% down and do a 15-year fixed rate mortgage, which is going to be our plan once we buy a home. Right now, we're going to rent. Emily and I, um, we're not living together yet, but once we get married, we'll she'll move into the apartment that I'm moving into next Wednesday. And we will rent probably for two to three years while we save up to buy a house so we can have our 20% for the house that we want. And uh, we will get that 15-year fixed rate mortgage. But avoid all debt that you can except for your home. And if you're renting, then you shouldn't have any debt or at least be striving to get it out. And if you want some motivation to try to get rid of your debt, 
I have been so inspired. I, I luckily, thanks to ROTC, um, I did not have college debt except for my first year, which we were able to pay off in my first year in the army. Um, and I don't have any other debt because luckily I didn't make any bad decisions early on, even though I almost made a really bad decision. I almost bought a brand new Mustang when I was like 23, which had been hella dumb, but luckily I didn't do that. But uh, I just I have so much compassion for so many people who have like staggering debt, but there are some great stories. If you just follow Dave Ramsey on Instagram, you'll see some, but the YouTube channel, man, has these stories of people who 150K in debt, 100,000, 80 grand, whatever, and paid off in months, nine months, 18 months, whatever. And they'll be driving for Uber. They'll do all these things, but they're going to be balling in 20 years because they decided to make that sacrifice. And so if you've been screwing up, just like the classic saying always goes, right? If you're in a hole, stop digging. And so you need to get out of debt. Many of you need to stop using credit cards. I was there at one point in my life when I was in my early 20s, where it's like you use credit cards because you get these benefits or rewards or whatever, and you're not getting the benefits you think if you don't have good financial discipline, right? So Dave Ramsey's anti-credit cards at all times. I personally am anti-credit cards until you really display that you have the discipline to use them properly and then still being disciplined with how often you use them and what you use them for and carefully tracking month to month how much you're actually spending. What I mean by that, Dave Ramsey encourages the, I don't know if he talks about the envelope system in the book, but somebody who told me about a lot of these principles when I was in my early 20s said that you should do the envelope system. And so what the envelope system is, is you draw out cash every month and you create your budget for the month and you literally put the amount of money in each envelope that goes to each thing. And so envelopes can be things like eating out, uh, you know, um, going, uh, getting gas, groceries, right? Things like that. Any other little things you like to do, if you like to go play golf, whatever it might be, things that you're going to pay for, things you just have fun with, right? Depending on how much money you have left over after your tithing, after your, uh, you know, investing 15% after your, and this, the, all the steps on those things can vary depending on if you have a hundred thousand in debt, you might not, you're not going to be investing 15% right now, right? You want to crush that debt, right? And there's just so much value. And I think a lot of people really underestimate the mental, the headspace, the freedom, the clarity that you have when you get out of debt. Even when some people be like, well, I get more interest on what I'm investing than I do, uh, that I lose with my debt. And it's like, bro, get out of debt. <laughs> that is a mindset, man. It is bad. And once you're out, refuse to go back. Refuse to go back. So I did the, the envelope system for probably a year. And then I kind of stuck with just my debit card for a while. And then I started using a credit card here and there, but I would never, um, I was able to do the month to month pay it off. But I think you have to be really, really careful with that. And so one of the, the tips that Emily and I often give to engage couples that we've gotten that we've started implementing or people who are about to get engaged, whatever, is if you have good credit, like being able to get a, a bomb rewards credit card. So we got the Southwest Chase one. I say we, but I did it. Um, and we just both use it. But <laughs> I got the Southwest Chase card and the Capital One Venture card. And they have some crazy, crazy rewards. If you spend like 20 grand in your first year with the Venture card, you get like 100,000 miles, I think. Um given to you on top of whatever you earn. So that's a pretty, that's pretty baller. Um, and you get like two miles for every dollar spent or something like that. And the good thing about doing that when you're preparing for a wedding is you're going to be spending a ton of money, right? So between the engagement ring, 
uh, all these different expenses, right? The venue, if you can get anybody, family members who are going to help you out to write you a check, and then you can use the rewards card and you can rack up the points for that. It's, I mean, you, we're going to pay for part of our honeymoon. Definitely. Our, I mean, we're already getting flights uh, just from the Southwest card. We've already gotten the companion pass and we're able to pay for every flight that Emily and I will go on together for the rest of the year uh, with the companion pass. We just pay like $6 for taxes for her. Um, which literally cuts our flight price in half with Southwest. So, which we love. And so that's, that's really baller. And then we're going to basically get free flights for our honeymoon and be able to pay for part of our honeymoon with that. And I think we'll have free flights or at least really, really good flight deals for a long time um, because of these rewards. So if you're going to be spending a ton of money, I think it's a way to be careful with that or a a way to be uh, to take advantage of what you're going to be already spending. But I do think that you have to then be careful because one of the most eye-opening stats that I heard or I read about in Total Money Makeover was they did a study on people at McDonald's and said that people who use cards instead of cash spend 60% more um, at the register. So if you think about that, there's something about, and you know it, right? If you use a card and have used cash before, there's something about having $20 and getting 10 back that doesn't hit you the same way that inserting your, your chip into the chip reader on your credit card and then just having it say approved hits you. It's different, man. It's different losing your cash. And so you have to track those things. And it's the same thing of budgeting, right? Where you can budget and I look at my investments each month and I can see those going up. Or if I can see, you know, my total net worth, or whatever going down, like that at least keeps me on track month to month. So I can say, wow, okay. If I'm using the credit card for rewards or things like that, it's like, I got to be, I got to stop. I got to, you know, give yourself, like put yourself on probation if you need to and be like, you got 30 days to fix this or no more credit card. We're, we're canceling it. Only using it for big purchases or, you know, uh, you can put like things like your Netflix or whatever. Some of the stuff that you're already going to buy, right? Or if you're like, you're getting gas, like using the things that are more fixed, maybe that's what I use it for, right? So you can kind of play the game but you have to know yourself, right? Like you have to be intentional with that but I can tell you that there's no rewards on earth that are worth you going in debt and going backwards month to month. So check your pulse and see what you're doing. Um, the fifth one I kind of already mentioned. My fifth point was just to learn about money. So I already recommended a bunch of books. I'll put more books, um, podcasts, things like that in the show notes. But I want you guys to check some of this stuff out because it's really important. You'd be so, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to go to that compound interest calculator because it is fire and just play around with it a little bit. Learn some of these terms. I still, I just finished listening to a random walk down Wall Street. And I mean, dude, you want to talk about something that fell over my head. There was definitely parts in that book where I was like, what is he talking about? Right? Like I was mind blown. I was like, what is going on? I'm not a finance major, dude. I'm a criminal justice major from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I hit a point in my life where I got obsessed with this stuff because I remember the people in the DR, I remember the people in Afghanistan. And I said, you know what? They don't have the opportunities that I have. And I'm very blessed with what I have. And I want to be able to pay it forward to future generations. You know, the book of Proverbs says that, um, oh, what's it? Dave Ramsey quotes it all the time that like uh, a wise man or a good man leaves uh, inheritance to his children's children. Like that's who you want to be, right? You don't want to be leaving your kids with debt and problems. And you want to be instilling good money habits with them early on so that they won't be able to say, oh, I wish I would have learned this in high school. It's like, you don't need to learn that in high school. Your parents should have taught you that. We're always putting that shit on other people. Oh, my Catholic school didn't teach me this stuff. Well, your parents are supposed to teach you about the faith. Oh, my school didn't teach me how to budget. Well, your parents should have done that. 
right? Like, you know what, you know what people who um, make excuses for what their parents should have taught them and blame other people become, they become bad parents. <laughs> so don't be a bad parent, be someone who seeks excellence. So you can show your kids what a healthy lifestyle looks like physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, right? So you can, you can display to them the values and principles that lead to a good life. Not as, you know, selfish, self-focused, um, prideful, uh, pleasure-seeking life, but a good life, a good, virtuous, holy life. You can set that example. That's your job. You can't outsource that. You can't outsource parenting to other people. You can outsource a lot of things in this world, especially in 21st century America. Can't outsource parenting. You can't outsource being a spouse. Those are your two biggest vocations of your life. You can outsource a lot of things. You can't outsource those. Can't automate that, baby. You got to do it. And you can't necessarily automate your, your financial gain. You've got to learn at least a little bit. Because even if you got financial, I, I can't believe the people I talk to, like, I got a financial advisor, but they don't know shit. It's like, you're giving all this money to this person and you don't even know what they're doing at all. Like, I'm not saying you got to become them, right? Like, you don't have to become a doctor, but it's nice to know if the doctor's talking about my knee being broken, I can at least point to what my knee is, right? Like if he's saying certain things that he's doing with my money, it's good to at least have some concept of what's actually happening. Read, if you read one book a year, you'd be mind blown at what would change. Listen to one podcast a week, you'd be mind blown about how much you knew in five years. It's unbelievable. I still have a long, long way to go on learning about this stuff. But I can tell you it's exciting. I'm somebody who would never, people think that I'm always not a planner. I'm always a mess. I'm always unorganized. I'm always all these things. And like Emily would be mind blown someday. She'd come over and I'd have just charts and all these different things and plans for the next five years and 10 years. We have plans for now until we're married. We have plans for when we're married until we buy a house two or three years later. We've got a plans for when we have kids. We have plans for all that stuff. The financial investing. I've run the numbers so many times. I think it's so fun. I'll be on flights sometimes and just be bored and be like, let me just play with our budget a little bit, see what we can do. You know, I think it's so, so fun. Become the CFO of your life. You need to be a CEO. You need to be a CFO. You need to be a COO. You need to be running, uh, you know, having a vision, running your finances, and then running the day-to-day -day operations. So you make sure that you're seeking after excellence as best you can. So I want to encourage you to fight hard, continue to learn about this stuff. I'll link a bunch of stuff. We'll start talking about it more on social media. Um, I'll post some, some uh, accounts I think you should follow. And we'll continue to talk about this for sure because it's a huge aspect of this. And when we grow and expand into coaching and all the other things that we want to do, we'll definitely be talking more about this and helping people to grow and just crush the game when it comes to your finances. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that we're going to be dropping down to one podcast a week from now until our one-year anniversary, which is going to be on August the weekend of August 20th. And I want to tell you, if you're not following us on Instagram and all that stuff, you want to. Because our newsletter, follow us on there, like our Facebook page for Seeking Excellence. We're going to have some giveaways coming up. We're going to have some fun, exciting things that we're going to be announcing. We might be having some events coming up. We've got some bomb stuff going down. So I really want you guys to check that out. I don't want you to miss it. Uh, we have some really, really exciting things that we're, we're working on and just crushing this summer to head on into the fall. Um, into our second year of existing of Seeking Excellence. So we just hit 25,000 plays on the podcast. Thank you for everybody who shared and uh, liked, subscribed, left us a review. It really means a lot to me and to the whole team. You guys are a huge part of making our success happen. 
And I'm super grateful for you. And just constantly praying for the people who listen, praying for the people who follow us, um, and just praying for the church. So continue to do that. Continue to seek after excellence. Continue to fight for personal holiness. Be bold in your evangelization. Um, and just know that this stuff matters because if you're somebody who has your finances together, you'd be surprised when it comes to evangelization how much having your shit together matters. Like, think about it. When If you know somebody who in, in, that you work with, right, that's like the dirtbag at work, do you want to hear what they have to say about how to live a better life? No, right? If you are at the gym and there's somebody in this, you know, love for all people for sure, but if there's somebody who's really, really out of shape and they've let themselves go, like you're not going to be as open to taking advice from that person. It's just a fact. Because, it, it, you know, it's one of the key things that uh, Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about in his first book. Um, I forget what the actual rule is, 12 rules for life, but something about get your own ish in order before you try to give other people advice or try to fix, go out and fix the world. And, and people see that. Like if you don't have your life together, people don't want to follow you. People don't want to listen to you, right? And so I'm, I mean, I try to hold myself to a really high standard. I got some serious weight to lose and shape to get back into because my injury just knocked me off and I got hella out of shape. And some of that's justified, right? But it's time to get after it. It's time to knock that off. It's like, I can't be the seeking excellence guy and be out of shape, man. You got to get back into it. You can walk again now. So let's get after it. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. You're going to have these setbacks. You're going to have things that you can't control, things that you can't. I didn't want to pay... I must have paid between three and $5,000 between my surgery, physical therapy, the medicine, all this stuff. I didn't want to do that. But luckily I got my finances in order where I can handle that. I don't want to come back from the injury now and have to do all this physical therapy. My leg's super weak. I can't, I literally don't have enough muscle in my left leg to run. It sucks. Life's hard. Get over it. Let's get after it. Be intentional and start fighting hard so that you can be your best. God bless you.